0: Hello and welcome to our podcast series on the transformation of energy and utilities companies to better serve their customers in the digital age. My name is Vito Labate and in this episode, we're going to continue our trend series and examine how a new wave of marketplace dynamics will cause energy and utilities players to adapt their business in ways never seen before. We will touch on a few areas. First, new players in the market, how companies are responding to climate change, and lastly, the dominance of China in the market. To talk about all this, I'm really pleased to welcome Adam Malik, who's the Digital Transformation Specialist, and he'll be joined by Capgemini's EUC expert, Perry Stoneman. Thank you to both of you for joining me today. Thank you, Vito. Thank you, Vito. Perry, I'll start with you. I have to admit, when I first read this trend about changing market dynamics, my first thought was that the energy and utilities market has been adapting to change for quite some time now. So, what's different in this new wave of change, and, and why do you expect it to be so disruptive?
1: Well, I think you know you say quite some time now, but in the in the broader perspective of industry, um, utility companies, traditional players have been adapting for maybe five uh, uh, five years, a few maybe ten years. In the time horizon that we're facing on the change. That's not a long time to adapt. And, and when you look at solar and wind generation, uh, wind being kind of high linear growth and solar achieving exponential growth, I'm not so sure they're really changing and adapting fast enough. And, and the fact that they aren't changing fast enough creates an opportunity for the new players to enter the market on these exponential technologies. So um, yes, they are recognizing the, the change, but uh, is it en- enough? Are they doing it quick enough? Uh, I- I'm not so sure. In fact, I-, I think they still create opportunities for new players to enter the market.
0: Adam, what do you? how do you respond to that from your perspective? Are there other forces that will contribute to big changes in the market other than the ones Perry mentioned?
2: I think there are a number of things, and we have to bear in mind that the utilities, or the traditional utilities, are a regulated industry. So one of the things that I see happening is that regulators are waking up and forcing change. I mean, in the U.K., it's been running for some time. We've abstracted energy retail from distribution and transmission. And that's causing some interesting things, which I can hopefully come on to later. But I agree with Perry. The biggest thing is uh, distributed energy resources. I mean, I saw a a stat recently, um, which was reported in the Financial Times, that solar has become the world's biggest source of new electricity. It's bigger than wind, gas, or coal, in terms of new installed capacity each year. And what is interesting, when you look at that stat and you dig into it, most of these new installs have nothing to do with the utility. They're either independents or uh, uh, companies that are wanting to have renewable energy entering into power purchase agreements. The, the, the utility is not in that game at the moment, not at any scale. That's for sure. The other thing that uh, that is happening is, uh, you know, a lot of this is being driven by companies wanting for various reasons to have access to renewable power. And The Register, which is a, a tech journal that I read, uh, is great for headlines. And, and this one I liked particularly. It says, tech giants get antsy in Northern Virginia. Give us renewable power. There's a planet to save and PR to harvest. These companies are the ones that are making the change and pushing things forward. And the final interesting thing is uh, electromobility and EVs. That is going to create fundamental change and that starts pushing the link towards the old oil and gas companies. And there are some interesting things going on in that market. But I, w- I would say those are the main drivers. The other outcomes of that, like flexibility markets and energy storage, I think are just there as a result of the success of those things and looking to integrate them.
0: You know, it makes me think of a previous episode, and Perry, you'll recall this um, from one of our earlier podcasts. You talked about new players entering the market, including technology firms that. I, let's face it; have very deep pockets, uh, in addition to startup firms. So, I guess the question is then: what what role do you think those technology firms are going to play in this changing marketplace that both you and Adam have characterized?
1: Well, I, I think Adam um, nailed it <laughs> in in his previous comments. The the tech giants, those with deep pockets, are going to you know revert to self production and consumption and and assisted by industry players uh that that create the equipment and the microgrids and 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 solar and and wind generation capabilities so you know it's just going to happen and it's simply a fact of uh the tech giants wanting to make choices that are are greener and, and make that part of their portfolio and um and I think, you know, Adam's point is spot on. Uh, it's it's an unstoppable force uh, that they're going to move in this direction. And do the utility players, the traditional players, um, participate or, or not is kind of the question.
0: Yeah. I mean, Adam, to that point, you know, there's a number of business industry, let's call them incumbents in this industry, but... Should those incumbents be afraid? Uh, how how might this impact the business of those incumbents going forward? Do you think?
2: I mean, that's a great question. And uh, we use a single word like "utility" to mean a lot of different things. And I think if we unpick that word just for a moment, you can you can divide a traditional utility into a function that retails energy, a function that distributes energy, and then perhaps but maybe to a lesser degree transmits energy if you're sitting on top of the network and you know you're controlling the wires you know and this is where an internet analogy comes in which i know this industry dislikes but it's valid here i think you're sitting pretty if you look at the uk market where we've abstracted retail from distribution and transmission the retailers are all posting losses um i think up to 12 independent retailers went bust last year in the in the in the uk uh, more is going to happen and the margins are being squeezed it's it's a, it's a race to the bottom the only people who posted a real profit are companies like National Grid who run the infrastructure, who get, who get paid, you know, for transmitting the electrons. And uh, it's, it's kind of not metered. I don't think it's, it's a flat uh, part that we pay in our bill. Um, they're not struggling. The biggest challenge is at the retail end, is, is at the customer facing end, where people are taking things into their own hands. Uh, you know, as Perry said, you know, if, if you're, if you've got deep enough pockets and you want renewable energy, if you aren't getting it from your supplier, you're going to do a deal with someone. Uh, you do a power purchase agreement. You, you invest in building a, a wind farm. All of this is now accessible. You know the price points are at a, uh, are at a place where it makes economic sense for these guys. You know they they're not just doing it for altruistic reasons. It, it 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 really makes economic sense. So if I'm sitting on top of a distribution company, I'm I'm, I'm probably going. You know what? I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to enable the innovation at the edge. But if it, if I'm at the retail end, I'd be panicking right now.
0: Well, okay. So let's look at the other side of this discussion. Climate change obviously is an important part of this conversation. Energy and utility companies, you know, they're increasing their focus on the obligations and regulations that climate change um, has put upon them. But Adam, where should they be prioritizing their efforts when it comes to climate change uh, uh, obligations?
2: I think there's there's a lot within climate change where to a degree, potentially utilities are just passengers. Um, and a lot of, like I said at the beginning, uh, you know, if you're a distribution company and you really want to start getting in and, and making some impact in climate change, you, you really should be looking at jumping on or playing in the electromobility field. You know because because that is a real growth market and that's where some real impact can be done but really everything that i'm seeing is uh, people want access to this renewable power now if you're a traditional utility and you're not playing in power development or renewable power development you, you don't have an answer for them it's it, you know it's it's not going to work and th- your climate change obligations. You know will not be you won't be part of the solution and other people will take that solution out of your hands and make the running
0: i suppose you know we've talked about climate change requirements and clearly there are uh, uh, regulatory obligations imposed by local and 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 other authorities but perry there are also also those obligations that are imposed by let's call it the court of public opinion From your perspective, what are customers actually expecting out of all of the change that is anticipated?
1: I think the first point is customers still look at price Um, in the broader perspective. And Adam talked about that early. Lower cost is always better. Uh, If you have comparable pricing, uh, then green becomes maybe a tipping factor. So I, I think as we start to look at the parity between renewable energy and traditional energy uh between microgrids and uh traditional uh distribution network uh electricity you you start to get choices uh alternatives to um, that are at equivalent price points so I, i think ultimately we have to keep in mind that price still is a major factor in driving consumer behavior But um, as the price declines on renewable energy, then those options become
0: more interesting. So I guess with all of these um, customer commitments that you've been speaking about, um, what's the advice for energy and utilities companies? How do they integrate these obligations in the daily practice of their business operations? Adam, do you have a view on that?
2: Yeah, sure, and it, and it's kind of hard one to answer because, as I said at the top, you know, it, it, depending on where you are, nearly all of these companies are within sometimes fairly rigid regulatory environments. the The big question is, you know, who moves the dial? Is it the energy and the utility company, or is it the regulator? Um, and I think everybody needs to come together behind a shared set of values you know if the regulator is all about pushing price down okay that's fine but what are you doing for co2 commitments and how are you putting that into uh, into place you know if we want real innovation and 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 real change on and real movement towards climate change then we have to make that the anchor and people have to be willing to pay a, a, a tariff or a premium for that, which which doesn't really often happen. I mean, the biggest thing that I've seen is that Norway's uh, sovereign fund of one trillion was, was has now been allowed to invest in independent renewable power. Yeah, that's where the big change is going to come. When that big money uh, and and it's the same with the Saudi fund, you know th- they are closing down their investments in oil and gas exploration, they're closing down their investments in um uh, in oil and gas and putting everything into renewables.
0: It's a good view, Adam, thank you for that. I guess Perry, you know utilities are constantly making investments, so given all this change that's coming, how do you see this affecting how utilities should? Be judicious about choosing where they place their bets, where they make their investments. This will all affect it, won't it?
1: Yeah, I, I in Adam's commented quite a bit about it. There, the regulatory framework is is handcuffing utilities to a degree. So, um, what they may want to do is not necessarily what they're allowed to do, and and unfortunately, for the utility even the most progressive utilities uh, can't make investments the same way uh, private industry or, or tech giants can, can step in the market. So they do need to follow the regulatory framework and the regulatory framework is a bit of an anchor, uh, as Adam mentioned. So I think to, to invest in infrastructure uh, that is part of the regulatory framework, that is future-proof, renewable uh, and, and helps reliability the network or sound investments. But I, I, you know, it's, it's a real challenge for the utility to be able to make the kind of investments that I think they, they should be allowed to. I mean, I think, I
2: think to put it into context as well, if I, sorry, Perry, if I, if I can add to that, you know, I, uh, I was speaking to a uh, utility in Germany who was saying that you know, just to add voice to this, they say we see all this great technology, we see all this great technology where we can uh, in a live fashion um you know deal with congestion on the network and so on, but our regulator rewards us based on the assets that we own and buy, and anybody who's trying to sell us something that actually goes where where the sales point is actually you could have less substations and do the same thing or be a bit more agile they will never buy it you know the the regulatory framework to unleash the utilities and innovation is the single biggest block with most of these businesses is the single biggest point of frustration for them as well
0: okay well adam and perry thank you i'd like to get your views on china now i what would you say is driving the growing dominance of china on the planet as an energy player adam let's start with you for your reaction please
2: well i think the china without getting any questions interesting and i find it interesting from a sort of philosophical sense as well i mean we we're talking at the top about regulatory issues and regulatory environments china is unique in its ability to do objective orientated planning and move the dials very, very quickly because they have a very different government regime. I'm not going to go into that, but they're using that to their advantage. They realize that the future is in renewables. The amount of R and D that they're investing into solar and wind is phenomenal. And it is powering their own growth. It is a direct economic imperative for China to become a leader in this. Number one, for their own growth, their own competitiveness on the world stage, because again, you know, you can't just keep being the cheapest manufacturer when your energy prices are going up. That is why, that's one driver. And they also realize that if they can work this out and use their own backyard as a playground, everything is up there. I mean, I read that, um, BYD, which is a Chinese battery manufacturer, is now starting to make cars because they've figured out how to get energy density within storage. They are really thinking in it innovatively and disruptively. And that is what I see with the uh, within the impact of China is that they will work all of this out in the backyard. And then they will exactly the same way as they've done with many other things, come and export that technology. There is no going away from that. They are going to be a renewable energy powerhouse. They are already in their own backyard, but they're going to do that at a global scale.
0: Perry, what about your views on, on China and its growing dominance? Well, it's aligned with what Adam had to say. But uh, if you factor it down
1: to the simple components, they have manufacturing capabilities that are second to none in the world. Uh, they're sitting on top of the rare earth metal manufacturing capabilities that, that dominates the world. Um, and, and they're using self-consumption as a means to, uh, insulate them from any kind of trade or tariff wars or, or fluctuation in, in, uh, demand. So they're in a very, very, um, good place. Uh, to to step into any industry, not just energy, uh, that they want to in a dominant fashion. And they've chosen to go after renewable energy, electric vehicles, uh, transportation as uh, w- one of the areas that's a, a priority for, for the state. And so I think we have to understand that uh, having agreements with China uh, for trade is probably something that's in the best interest of most uh, countries and utilities uh,
0: going forward. Clearly China is going to have a disruptive force on the market, not just energy and utilities market, but other markets as well as you say Perry. I guess I'd like to progress us now towards the end here of our of our podcast and talk a little bit about recommendations. So it sounds like energy and utilities organizations they have a lot to contend with both on a short-term basis and in the long term. What advice would you have for leaders of these organizations as they brace for this change? Perry, let's start with you, please. Well, I,
1: I think the the fact that they control the wires and poles and assets um, for those utilities that do control those assets is pretty important for the future. So they need to think about partnerships and what is the new future of, of electricity, transmission, distribution, and uh, to some degree, retail. And so, watch what's going on and establish uh, partnerships, and and make sure if uh, Google or Amazon or Walmart is moving into your neighborhood with a big data center, that you're talking to them. Um, it's it's as straightforward as making sure you understand your customer or your
0: future customer and their expectations. And Adam, your views? Uh, any any recommendations for? Uh, energy and utility company leaders going forward.
2: So I've always found it interesting, and I'm just going to s- say this just to be controversial: is you know we've got a battery manufacturer making cars. We're, you know we've got a car manufacturer making solar panels. Um Why don't we have a utility making cars? Why don't we have a utility providing electromobility as a service? They own the network. They already own the distribution points companies like shell and bp are paranoid because they're going to lose their distribution points and all the revenue that they generate off the back of that i think mobility is a key vector for for utilities i mean it's it's so close to where they already play uh, as perry said they've already got the distribution network to provide the energy to drive those things i mean you know It's not impossible to think of it and go, hang on, Shell is going to start making cars.
0: This has been great. I thank you both, Perry, Adam. I really appreciate the time here, uh, your insights and recommendations. Very interesting topic and more to come uh, in, in one of our future episodes, I'm sure. Just for our listeners, uh, you've been listening to the Gemini Wemo podcast. The Wemo podcast is available on iTunes and Google Play. And we welcome you to leave us a comment or a rating uh, after you've listened through our, through our episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and we will have more expert insights for you in the future. In the meantime, thank you for listening and we'll talk again soon.